Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. We are your hosts, Matt Trelltrick and myself, Peter Fendera, up in here in Oakland. Episode number 13. How are you guys doing today? We're excited to let you guys know that we are going to start a Facebook group, which is going to be called Cup of Nurses. It's already in the works and it's going to be a community-based group, anything nursing related, student nurses, Anything that you have a question for, share some funny memes. We're going to create a nice community. You guys should join. It's um, Cup of Nurses on Facebook. Check it out. Yeah, you also got a Facebook page for Cup of Nurses. And even though there's a lot of, or there's a handful of already nursing groups, I feel like ours would be a little bit more genuine. It won't be as polluted. It'll be a sm- smaller community, but a stronger community. So Yeah, and you guys know you're going to be talking to nurses. So we have the nursing experience. So maybe it's more relatable to you guys. Quality over quantity. Yeah, probably more information, more of the nursing perspective. Exactly. So the topic today is travel nursing. We are in the works of completing a first contract. It was quite experience, right? Learning everything and just going through the motion. So in today's episode, we're going to dive down how it all starts from start to finish of applying for your license to actually landing your first contract to housing and just maybe about the hospital set life when you're actually a travel nurse. Right, a few people asked us a few questions about travel nursing, so hopefully we could hit um, all of them today, or at least the main ones, just so you guys know. And like Matt said, if you guys have any more questions, hit up the group, we can answer them for you, or somebody else can answer them. Yeah, so the first topic is, what is a travel nurse? So travel nurse is probably anybody that travels to work like outside of a 50 mile radius is what it's considered in order to get your stipends, the pay, which is beautifully untaxed by Uncle Sam, right? Oh, yeah. Uncle Sam. He's got the good, he's got the bad. But nursing, travel nursing is more like a freelance kind of kind of gig. Like you could say Fiverr, how people just write for somebody that hires them to write something. That's kind of how travel nursing um, also works. There's a shortage, shortage in certain states of travel, or there's a shortage of nurses in certain states, and they need nurses, so... They import nurses from other states. Usually, they they're higher-paying states, so it's profitable for nurses to come from, you know, let's say like Rhode Island or where we come from, Illinois, travel to California or um, Hawaii, where <clears throat> the cost of living is more. But that also means that the pay is more, so your income is more, and that's probably it's probably why it's really attractive is because you make more money, and they're short nurses. Not only that, but there's like this huge market for. Um wanderlusting so everybody likes to travel everybody likes the the idea of it but you know so this allows you to do what you love which is nursing or your passion and also go visit a different state different environment and it's a rich it's a rich experience and plus like it completely takes you outside your comfort zone and living in a different place and working in a different place so it's like a complete 360 in your life being away from your family, close friends, and just learning. And you learn a lot about yourself, wouldn't you say so? You definitely do, because it's just you taking on this challenge of a new environment, um, a new town, a new city, new people, new dialects, new climate, and it's completely different. You know, you could technically like travel inside your hospital by like floating. You know, let's say you float from ICU to ICU, but traveling to a different state and working at an ICU in a different state, that's a completely whole different thing. They have different laws that govern them, different policies, different procedures, and like nursing is completely different each state. Not completely different, but there's drastic changes that, that we that we've seen and we'll talk about in a little bit. Well, when you when you started your contract, do you think it's completely different? Uh, a lot of it's different. 
um, I feel like there are different stresses here compared to um, Illinois. And it's a different way we do things here compared to Illinois. Like the process. And, yeah, and even the equipment. Like, they have different chest tubes that I'm used to. Right. And ju- just seeing day, you kind of learn both because maybe, you know, a surgeon uses a different chest tube one time and, I, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, now that looks like I've seen it in California. So you just kind of learn their type of nursing. Yeah, it, it's it's a rich experience. It kinda, I think it builds resilience. So basically, when you get back home, you're gonna be on top of your shit because you're, you're gonna. I feel like you're gonna gain more independence. Mm-hmm. Stress might be a little bit different because of these awesome ratios here, but you're still gonna learn so much. And I feel like you might be asking less questions because. I feel like sometimes you don't have a great resource when you travel nurse and you, you are your own like encyclopedia. You better find out on Google, ask me, yeah. We call it Dr. Google, right? Right. Or you ask somebody, hopefully, and not everybody is always as responsive as your you know home base. Yeah, you just gain a different type of knowledge. <clears throat> you get a different perspective on how things should be done compared to what you're used to. Yeah. You know? So basically, your travel nurse is going to be like your freelance nurse. You travel, because I fit the miles outside your home radius, right? So that's pretty much what travel nursing is. Um, so how does it work? Um, you well, basically, how do you become a travel nurse? Yeah, well, how do you become a, so how do you become a travel nurse? So first of all, you obviously need your least your BSN. I'm not sure. I think there's um, social nurses that travel too. Yeah, I'm sure there is, but preferably BSN and at least like two years of experience. Yeah, so you you get your BSN. So basically, you need your typical nursing degree. You pass your NCLEX. You become a registered nurse in your state. And you probably want a year plus experience. Personally, I would recommend at least two. I feel like having a year and a half of ICU of your specialty and then going into things like you need a little bit more backbone because you're just getting tossed into a whole different situation. You just got to like adapt so much that having a better backbone, I would, I would say it's better. Yeah, it's very true. I've thought about travel nursing when I first graduated, but I'm really happy that I waited. I don't think you can as a new grad. I have no idea, but I have thought about it. I didn't really look into it once I uh, finished school, but I decided to take a position at, um, you know, at my current hospital or my hospital in Illinois. Um, but definitely would not want to do this, like being a novice nurse. Mm-hmm. By novice, I mean like less than two years of experience because you got to hit you gotta hit the ground running and like you got to know a good amount of at least like the ICU basics to be like an ICU float, you know. Well, anybody for the wants to do ICU travel nursing, I think um, when it comes to specialties, you definitely have to know a lot more than just typical med surge. Because med surge, you could probably manage within a year. It's kind of, I don't want to like, you know, say it's not as intense, but you, you are dealing with less and less complicated situations compared to the ICU. Yeah, that's, that's completely true. I mean, I still recommend probably two years. Mm-hmm. Just, just keep it safe and just so you get a good... Good grip and good bearing on like your your staff position. Yeah. You know? So once you do that, you feel like you have the experience and you're ready to start. You have to first apply for the state they want to do your license in. So if you're doing it within your state, then you kind of have to skip this process because you already have your license. You could find an agency. But if you don't, let's just say you're traveling to Texas, Arizona, or California, which we did, you have to go into like the government site and see the steps that you have to do in order to get your license. So for us, we had to, you know, get our fingerprints done, a background check, drug test, and everything else. You send out an application, you have to pay a nice sum, which was like 400 something dollars, and you also have to send out your resumes from your university in order to um, get the license. Yeah, so the whole paperwork application process, you could do it on paper and or on the computer, and that probably takes 
a good whole day because you got to gather all your information, all your paperwork. You got to find your um, license, your RN license ID or number or whatever it's called. Hopefully organized too at that yeah. time. But I mean, it's not too hard to find. You just got to type in your information on like um, the NCLEX website or something and it, and it tells your um, your license number. But yeah, by the time you gather all the information or all of the paperwork that you got to fill out or send out, so you need like your ID, um, like I said, your RN license number, you got to get your transcripts from your school, yeah. you know, um, you got to fax over your scan over your ID and two types of ID, I think it was like your passport and something else. So that process alone, just the application process, takes like a good whole day because you got to get all that stuff and like Matt said, the resume as well. And then you got to pay a sum. I forgot how much we paid. Like, what is it, like 500 bucks? Yeah, I said Some, 400 bucks. Yeah, something like that. Um, and then you just really got to do is wait. Um, if it's a popular state, it could take like three, four months. Um, if it's like an easier state, it might take quicker. Or there's no, there's no compact states that one RN license covers like six states or, or more. Yeah. And all you got to do is apply once and then you become... Um, you have to be in that state though. Right. So you got to be located in that state. So we got to like reside in one of those states, correct? Yeah. So you got to reside in that state, that. yeah. So to get that whole benefit, so one RN license covers like six states, and they and they share it. But it's more of a waiting game once you get everything filled out and the money sent in. Um, I know for me, um, they said they lost my transcripts or there was some kind of issue with the transcripts. They weren't officially sealed or um, something of that nature. So it took me probably like a month longer than it did Matt. I think it took you like three months to get yeah. your California license right. It took me like a month longer, so four, and just pain in the butt because. I had everything done, and they didn't contact me and saying that there was an issue with anything. I had to, I had to call them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, we thought we told you three weeks ago, you know, and but no, you didn't." So I had resend everything. So I had to pay the twenty bucks to get my. Um, I think communication is a huge barrier, and it's not only the process when it comes to applying; it's also the agency, the agency and the hospital actually work itself. Yeah. So communication is always one of those things you're going to be dealing with as a travel nurse. And it sometimes gets annoying because of the lack of communication. Yeah. And guess what, guys? Once you finish paperwork for the state licensure, you also got the paperwork for the agency you want to look for. Yeah. And that's uh, quite a bit of paperwork as well. That could take, you know, a whole day, two days. Just depends how much agencies you do it. They all want their own checklist. They all want their information. So basically, same thing you send over to these licensure places, you're also going to send over to your recruiter. It's applying to a new hospital. Yeah. It's like applying for a new hospital. I'm sorry. It's... Just like you said, checklists and all that. And then you have to find out what agency you want to work for. They also have different packages. Some of them offer like a higher hourly pay, lower stipends. And every single agency has better contracts with better hospitals. So you might get better deals somewhere. So you just have to DIYOR on a few agencies, see what they offer, talk to the recruiter, and just get, just get comfortable with them. And I would definitely recommend an awesome recruiter, someone they feel comfortable with and trust because they're going to back you up if something's up. If you don't like something about the hospital or you're upset about something, that's the first person you're texting or calling. So, yeah, just like a car salesman, they're gonna try to take advantage of some people and negotiate with with others. So you do want to find a recruiter that you uh, could talk to about anything. You could feel that you um, are can be open to, and you could ask some questions about about anything about any other thing. Like, seeing your first time travel nursing, you want to get as much information out as possible so you learn what kind of, kind of contract you want. Like the breakdown of the contract, simple wise, you got you know the hourly pay. Sometimes it says the blended rate, which is going to be your hourly rate from the hospital and the amount of money that the um, agency will give to you. And it, of course, stipends. Yeah. And that's like your non-taxable living expenses that um, the agency gives you just for living there, just for kind of being with, with, um, with them, right? It pays for your food and it pays for your rent. So let's just, like, let's just give a scenario. So you're making 20 bucks an hour and... They give you five hundred dollars for food and eight hundred dollars for 
for rent. So you got $1,300, right? Mm-hmm. So that $1,300, you basically get every single week on top of your hourly pay to live. So whatever your housing is, whatever you spend on food, you do the math. Let's just say you, you, know, you spend $800 a week for rent and food, you're taking home the other other money and you can do whatever you want with it so that's the cool part if you are able to kind of you know max out your benefits or your um, stipends and you're kind of living not you know on a budget able to still enjoy yourself you're kind of you know racking in some good cash yeah and agencies also provide health insurance um, and all that kind of like 401k stuff um, we're not too familiar with that because we didn't take the any kind of health insurance with our agency, but there's an option too. I'm not sure how, how good it is or how that process works, but I'm sure um, there's people out there that, that have taken health insurance and 401k plans um, just because we're not sure if we're going to you know go to the same agency again or if we're going to do this again. You know, So we decided not to. And plus we have our staff jobs as well that we pay into and that does that handles our 401ks. Because we took a, like a leave of absence, so that's why we still have the, um, the staff job on top of the, the agent. Mm-hmm. So number on top of everything, definitely get your agent in place. That's our recruiter, I should say. Like, for example, our um, recruiter, she's actually really cool. She even sent us, like, a lunchbox, an Amazon gift card, like a little personalized package for traveling. She even got Peter cake for her, his birthday, which is pretty dope. Yeah, that was actually really nice. I didn't expect that. First of all, I thought it was a neighbor's cake because their dog recently died. Um, shout out to the, the Oh, that's the, dog. The, the new podcast we've listened to. Kyle passed away, the dog that they're looking no. for downstairs. His name's not Kyle. Is it Kyle? The person's name's Kyle. The dog's something else. Irrelevant. Okay, but the dog passed away, yeah. First of all, we thought he got found last week, uh, but I guess um, did not get found. Well, he did, got, he did get found, but he wasn't alive anymore. I'm sure he probably got hit by a car, unfortunately, but I thought the cake was for them. Yeah. That's why I didn't even look at the box. But our recruiter sent me a cake for my birthday, which was um, a couple of days ago, June 16th, and you know, that was very nice. Unexpected, but that was cool of her. You got to find, find an agent like that. Get yeah. your birthday cake for your birthday. Make sure you travel on your birthday too so you get a cake. Yeah, I recommend that. And maybe a gift card for free. There you go. So after you get all this in place, you have a recruiter, you have your license ready to go, you're ready basically to travel. You told your parents, I'm sure, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you made the decision, you're committed, so now you're ready to roll. So basically now you have to apply for a job to a hospital and there's a process to that. So an agent will send you contracts still. It'll be, you know, whether days or nights, the position, the amount of weeks of the contract. So usually it's very nice to get 13 weeks, right? That's the standard. There's eight and there's longer contracts. Depends what you get. So I think 13 is probably ideal because then housing becomes an issue. So most um, short-term leases are a minimum of three months. And we had an eight-week contract and we struggled with that because we couldn't get like a private, we had to get a private um, realtor to find us housing, which was actually hers. Yeah, you could also Airbnb it, but that's usually on the pricier side. Mm-hmm. Um, Airbnbs tend to be more for people that are vacationing compared to um, like short-term leases or long-term leases. So it's more geared for vacation. So it's a little bit more pricier. Yeah. So yeah, but I would I would part, I would do um, private for sure. So after you do that, you it's not like you're gonna get, land a job right away just because a recruiter sends you a contract. We thought that like oh let's apply to this place. We were very picky at first with the contracts because we thought like once you select the contract, you're just gonna work. No, it doesn't work like that. Like it's legit, like getting an interview, you have to first get placed. And if it's your first time traveling, I think it's a really hard time. I think we got denied probably like at least 20 times. Not about 20 times, but a, a, good, lot of, a good 20 times. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were picky and it's okay to be picky. I think for the most part, we had a struggle landing a job is because 
we were asking for a lot, and a lot of times people would apply, and position would already get filled. Yeah, and That's we're also a travel nursing pair, so we told them that we have to be within like a 25-mile traveling rate radius between hospitals, or we have to work for the same hospital in the ICU to float. So that kind of created an issue because you're both inexperienced, and a lot of hospitals are like, well, we don't want these guys. They're, they're both inexperienced, and they both have to work in the same hospital. So that becomes an issue as well. Yeah, just like with any job, the more pickier you are, uh, the less opportunity you're going to have. I mean, which is okay. You want to f- land a job that you're okay to work with 13 weeks. And even if you don't, it's okay. It's only 13 weeks. You could you could hustle it out for three months. It's really not the big of a deal. Three months is nothing compared to like your whole life. You know? And now you know not to go there again. And it's worth experience and what you learned and what you took away from it. So that process probably takes another few weeks because you're filling out applications Once and, again. It's, and it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game between the recruiter and you know our recruiter is cool because she was sending us texts right, and emails. So it's kind of figuring out what's going on. Then finally, you're waiting for an interview. So sometimes I had an interview, you know, PD didn't, and it was vice versa. So it was just really annoying finding a job where they both accepted us, right? Yeah. So that took a little bit. But we did find it. You know, if you keep looking, you'll find it. You know, it just might take a little bit longer than, than you think, and that's completely okay. Being persistent. And after you accept that, you basically talk to the, the you know, what is it called? You have an interview. So you just simple questions of what are, you know, the... Like your strengths and your weaknesses, uh, what your background is, um, kind of like what you're more experienced with, um, and then you have the opportunity to ask questions back. So you could ask how the unit is laid out. That's probably a very good question to ask the layout of unit because, like our unit currently, it's like it's an I one ICU, but there's like three different rooms where you gotta cross two types of doors. So you gotta go through a hallway. So you have one ICU with ten rooms. With ten rooms, and to get to the other ten rooms, you gotta. You know, go through one door, go through the hallway, and then go through the other door. So it's yeah. kind of um, a little inconvenient, you could say, and probably not not the safest way to keep an ICU compared to like the regular U or, or the circle where yeah. all the units are, or all the beds are in this one whole unit circling or nurse's station. So this is kind of a little bit not what I'm used to, but it's good to ask. You could also ask about the patient population. That's a good question to ask, see what you're dealing with, uh, what kind of, um, you know, pumps they use, what kind of critical issues they see a lot, like number one diagnosis, just like things like that, so you kind of... Just acuity. Yeah, so you can familiarize yourself, you know, if there's a lot of trach patients and you haven't had a lot of trach patients, it's like it's a good question to ask because then you kind of prep a little bit maybe when you go back to your staff job, be like, hey, can I get a few tricks this week just because I'm, you know, I'm traveling in a couple weeks and I want to get a better handle on these things. Yeah, That and you also want to ask how the, the team dynamics are. A lot of people don't, I'm sure the experienced nurses understand that, hey, experience or not experience teamwork is like a one like if you have it doesn't matter how great the hospitals if you have a shitty team like your shift's gonna go to you know gonna go to crap so you always want to find out are people kind of like having that queen bee syndrome at work or for the most part are really cool everybody's helpful our on nights everybody's pretty young so there's a nice uh, what is it called ratio between very very young and then like the experienced nurses which are like in their you know 50s and plus so i like the dynamic there because you always have like a good reference online. Yeah, it's always good to have younger nurses and uh, older nurses. Just older nurses have more experience. Obviously, they've probably been there longer, so they kind of got a better handle on things. And your younger nurses, you know, you're the go getters. Um, you're more um, inclined to to do things, you know, to help out. But you definitely want to know how the dynamics are for the most part, just so you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. So, job gets accepted, and now you're kind of negotiating the contract. So step moving forward, your interview is awesome. They liked you. 
they're offering you the position. Usually you have like 48 hours to make a decision. After that, everything picks up really quick. So now you, have, now you have to make a decision. Do you like the contract? Do you want to negotiate? I feel like our first contract, we didn't have much to say. This is it. That's all we could do. Yeah, it's completely okay to have a bad first contract. I'm not saying we had a bad first contract. I'm completely happy with, with our contract and our experience. But think about it. It's like you're only there for, once again, 13 weeks. And if you don't get the best contract, it's okay. You're mostly going to make just as much money as you did you know, back in your staff job, if, if not more. So you have nothing to lose but more experience. And like I said before, now you know not to go there again, you know, or to kind of ask for more stipends and less hourly pay and just things like that. Maybe uh, look for better housing. Maybe you select the housing and you kind of just settled for whatever there is and you kind of paid a little bit more than you had to. Yeah. So you kind of just learn as you go. And the more contracts you take, you kind of know which, what's, uh, which town, um, you know, is better for certain things and where to house. And it's just, you can find a more appropriate contract the more you're experienced with, with these contracts. And they're also going to give you more like leeway in negotiating your pay getting higher stipends with experience comes more pay so that yeah. all depends there and even if you're not really satisfied with the pay but you really like the hospital you always have the choice to extend your contract yeah. and that's kind of when you can ask for hey i've been here for 13 weeks how about you throw in some little bit more money and i was thinking for another 13 weeks and it makes it a lot easier for the hospital because a you've already been there you've experienced you know how things work you know and b they don't gotta look for anybody else to fill your position yeah yeah but when you out traveling, you kind of want to focus on how much you make. Make sure it's accurate to what the contract said. Um, you want to look at your actual contract thoroughly to see what happens when you get called off. You know, uh, when you get sent home early, or your your sick days. How much earlier do you got to call? You know, to to call off. You kind of know where you stand financially because you also gotta you know deal with housing expenses. You gotta get food. You gotta you know get gas if you're renting a car. You gotta you got pay that rent for the car yeah. and and little things like i've realized that i didn't know about for example when i started my contract is i'm guaranteed to work four days a week and the, the hospital canceled me one day because i worked eight days in a row or i worked seven days in a row and eighth day in a row is illegal technically by california because they have to pay me overtime so they cancel my shift and i text to my recruiter i'm like so what's going to happen with my stipends well i didn't know that I have to pay like $160 penalty to my travel agency. So they kind of deduct the, the pay for me and they didn't give me the hourly rate that I'm supposed to technically work. But I still got my stipends. It's just little things I didn't know about that. In my contract, it says that the hospital has the right to cancel me twice. And the third time they cancel me, I get the I reap the full benefits of my contract. Yeah. And that's something you got to look at. And also you got to look at the overtime pay. Uh, see how much you gain overtime, even though it's, if it's even worth it to pick up overtime. Like for us, it's not very worth it to pick up overtime because we may get like, what, a few more dollars. $10 extra. more. Yeah, an hour, which is, you know, like my staff position. You know, it's not really, really worth it. I'd rather just work my four days and or four nights and call, and call it even. You know, yeah. stay busy. The other, the other um, five, or the other three, or seven days in a week. Sit at home and record a podcast. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Stay busy all other ways. And you also got to, you know, throw in, if you work out, you also got to sign up for a new gym membership. You got to figure out how that works because a lot of times they don't, allow for like a 13 week gym membership you gotta like you know play the system a little bit yeah i had to put my Quite. account on pause and then find another one here mm -hmm. that we don't have a sign up you know sign up fee and all that other stuff yeah little things like that tollways you gotta pay for so you gotta budget that in to make sure it's really worth it for you to travel yeah okay so you as a nurse you finally accepted your first job now what it's gonna happen there's gonna be this huge process for us we basically had two weeks to get to california from illinois 
since the start of the con or the signing of the contract to the start date. So within those two weeks, you basically are very emotionally, I would say, unstable. You got a lot of stuff going through you because you're literally going to pack your shit in a car and just leave or fly out, whatever the case might be. And you're leaving everything behind, your lifestyle, your routine, the way you were organized. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing, actually, the stuff you had to do. But in between that time, on top of everything and planning, you got to do a lot of agency stuff to prepare you for this contract. So you have to get your vaccines you have to do a bunch of like like net learning, CBLs, all this stuff and online tests in order to be completely ready to travel. And that that was actually um, time consuming or doing your NIH stroke scale to be certified in specific things if we weren't already. That dragged. Yeah, like my time before, just like applying to a, to a new nursing job, you get your physical vaccines. They all have to verify because, you know, hospitals have their health guidelines that you got to stick to make sure you're properly vaccinated, you got your flu shot, all that. And it is paid for, but you do have a certain amount of time to get that completed. Like yeah. They set you up um, with a clinic and hours in between, you got to go and you got to get, get it done. Yeah. And, and they do everything for you. They literally set up the appointment for the drug test, the appointment for the drug screen, the N95 respiratory, mm-hmm. respiratory mask. They set all that up for you. They send you an email. At least this agency that we went through, um, they set it up really nicely. I don't know how other agencies and recruiters are, but yeah. So you, you're getting all that done, and the next thing is to find your housing. And that, that might be a little bit tricky, just like we talked about. If it's an eight-week contract compared to 13, you're kinda, you can't do like a lease. So you might have to look privately. The, the agency usually provides a website with um, ways to find housing. And I use something called Furnish Finder. I basically send out an application for people that, it's like Airbnb, but it's third party and it's you're eliminating all those Airbnb fees that come with it. And I had a private real estate agent, agent that reached out to me. She had a few homes. I checked out the images and we, I signed my own contract there, right? So we had another contract that had to do with leasing uh, a place for two weeks, or I'm sorry, for two months where we currently live. That's another thing to kind of find out the little nitty gritty, like, you know, hey, the trash gets thrown out Thursday or, you know, this and that. And you basically have to do a deposit. So we did all the transactions through Venmo, which reminds me, I got to pay the landlord, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll pay after this. Record yeah. First. yeah. And then you got to figure out how to get there. Are you going to drive there? Are you going to fly and then fly a car over? Are you going to tour it? Are you going to rent a car? So expenses go on that too. So once you finally settle in, orientation comes. So we got rid of some stress, now we gotta add some more stress. And also the agency will give you like um, a travel fee, or no, I'm sorry, a travel expense for your move. So for example, our agency paid us like 250 for the move, which kind of covered the gas and maybe the hotel that we spent one night because it was a two day commute from Illinois to California. Yeah, so if you're driving, you know, you gotta plan ahead and make sure you you know, plan out your drive because it might take you like one, two days, you know? Yeah. And then once you get there, you're probably gonna be real tired, you're probably gonna sleep the next day, so you don't wanna get there right before. You wanna plan out you get there safely a few days ahead of time, your orientation date. Yeah, give yourself a few days, settle in, and check out the neighborhood because you're living in a brand new place. Like it's, you're really figuring out where you should park, where the convenient store is. If you work out, you have to find the gym or where to, your nearest Walmart or Target is to get things, grocery store, local farmer's market. So it's kind of cool because you're diving into this new experience and learning everything all over. Yeah. So once you familiarize with your environment, then you start orientation. 
And I think usually orientation is like one or two days. Um, we kind of lucked out. We had a we had a um, a week worth of like online education that people that new hires would get because a lot of people with us weren't just travel nurses; they were new hires. Yeah. Correct. So we kind of went through like the um, procedures and policies of like a person that was hired as a staff nurse. Uh, that we'll go through so we kind of lucked out I feel like it might be standard actually I'm not, yeah I'm not I'm sure I'm pretty sure the first is week is yeah remember I told me the contract is always a week less because so the first week is always orientation oh, for always the book work yeah okay so the first week is going to be learning about like the policy procedures kind of like end YouTube research and just familiarizing, familiarizing yourself uh, with the policy and procedures and that's yeah. usually like your day shift from like 9 to 5 or, or 9 yeah. to 4 or whatever at the time is and then you have like two nights of orientation on the actual unit. And that kind of sucked too because we went from working nights to one week of getting up at 6 a.m. and going to our orientation from 8 to 4. And then you, we, we jumped back to working nights. So that kind of sucked, that shift, if you're working nights where you kind of flip-flop between sleeping days and nights, and it's that's annoying. Yep. And you want to make sure that you ask your manager or somebody um, higher up if you got a complete, like a any kind of paperwork or kind of checklist because me and Matt found out like last week that we have a whole packet to do, that at least a hundred pages. Yeah, that we that we got to do um, by the time we end our contract. And I guess they told us about this in the beginning of, of our contract, but never brought it back up. So we weren't sure if we we're supposed to do it. Actually, I don't even remember them telling us anything about it. And then bang, last week we got like an email saying, "Hey, please turn your checklist by by this time." And we're like kind of rushing to complete it. And then something called health streams, which is these online courses that we got to take. That we spent one day and we finished half of them. I guess those we got to complete too, but we're going to try and finagle our way out of there because we're not staff. So yeah. I don't plan on doing those, to be honest. It's kind of, um, it's just a pain. Like, I don't feel like I got to do that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah. And like, also like, there was like a mandatory meeting that they signed us up to. Yeah. Like, I'm not a staff. I'm not going to go to a meeting about like, whatever the, the, the biggest thing that's happening currently right now. It's like, come on. Yeah, and plus this meeting is like at the end of our contract. Like, how is this going to benefit us us in any kind of sort of way? Well, we signed up for it at the end, yeah, so we, we should skip it, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so we're going to skip it anyway. So we're just going to say, yeah, we can't do it. So we're kind of bending the rules a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like you can. Well, we'll get, we're going to find out. We'll get back to you on that one if they fire us before our contract leaves. No. But they're not. They're not. They're not. We're pretty good nurses. I feel like we're highly valuable everywhere we go, and we're an asset to every team. There you go. Yeah, all right. But yeah, so you get your two nights of orientation on the unit, and I suggest just familiarizing yourself with the unit layout itself. This is where the two years of experience comes into into play because you know how to nurse. Now you just gotta familiarize yourself with the environment. Because you know what you gotta do is you gotta figure out what goes where and where everything's located. Yeah. Because it's really hard to put an IV in if you don't know where the IV star kits are. Yeah. That that and also learning the charting system. If you're familiar with Epic and you go to work Epic on this contract, that's a little bit easier. But if you're dealing with a brand new charting system, I think that's like a hurdle. Because not only do you have to do you know nursing care at the new environment, you got to learn how to chart on a new system. And that sucks ass because charting is such a huge part of nursing, unfortunately. Yeah, so charting itself, even if you know how to chart, that is that takes up a big chunk of time. We can really as nurses. And now imagine you trying to chart on a whole new charting system where you don't know where everything's located. So that's gonna take like twice as much amount yeah. of time. Because if you don't know where something is, guess what? You gotta ask, and by the time they show you, and then okay, you get it right the first time. But then you leave for an hour, and they try to do the same thing over again. You might forget a few steps, especially yeah. if it's like a long process. You know, some hospitals required to write notes. I haven't had to write a note unless it's like something urgent, like a code or, or like a rapid, 
or some kind of a serious issue that happened. Then I write notes. But here you're required to write a note every shift. Yeah. Also, I would familiarize myself with the scheduler, the person that puts in your schedule. If you kind of befriend them and they like you, you might get away with a little bit of things. Like one day I, I want, you know, someone flew, flew in, I had to switch a day and she was okay with it. And you could kind of manipulate your schedule so it kind of works for you. And if they don't like you, then damn, you might be, you know, going for a nice ride of working shitty days. Or I know there was this nurse that was working like three weekends in a row and they she just did it that way. And she said, sorry, but she already messed up and that sucks. Yeah, or Ping, he, had a, he has to work five nights instead of the usual four. So most nurses in the hospital work four or most, if not all. And his contract was for five. He kind of looked it over and kind of signed it too quick and he realized that most people work fours instead of fives. And he's kind of stuck working five. The same with that guy that has to work every weekend. That's, that's, that's so annoying. Yeah. You kind of got to know what you're getting yourself into. And like Matt said, familiarize yourself with the scheduler just because, you know, you get a nice conversation, you know, they like you, you like them, you might have some leeway with them. You know, maybe they'll switch a day or two or, or a weekend or three, you know, probably not three weekends, but still. But yeah, so just kind of be nice. You also got to familiarize yourself with like the nurses. Um, our, I don't feel like our unit's too clicky. No, there's definitely like little side groups or I don't think people are like as close as they should be. Yeah, I think it's because it's an eight hour shift. People aren't, aren't as close because they're only together for eight hours compared to like the like half 24 hour shift. Yeah. You know, so yeah, just kind of talk to nurses, kind of get to know everybody and, you know, don't be afraid to help them out because, you know, they'll help you out when you need help as well. So. And realize that whatever specialty you work for, it depends how things are, but for the intensive care unit, you're floating a lot because you're the first one to float compared to the staff nurses for the hospital, which sucks because we floated like three days in a row. And that's another thing. You're going to like, let's just say a med surge unit or tele unit. They don't tell you where things are. You don't get an orientation of, hey, this is that, the pics is there, the pantry's there. You're just getting freaking thrown into the damn unit. Here's your little collared thing. Here's your assignment and you go. Yeah. Like it, I broke a sweat the first time. I'm like, damn, this is some shit. No one's holding my hand here. I better figure this out on my own. Yeah. And I've personally never been floated in my life until I took this contract. So I've never been used to more than three patients max. And getting even getting four, it completely kind of throws you off. Because like Matt said, you got to find where everything is. You don't get an orientation on, on this unit because you know you got there two nights in ICU where you're supposed to work. And they throw you in and you just you just go. Yeah. You know? But thankfully, there's like relief nurses and charge nurses here that you, know, you have, you have um, time to ask questions about. But like any med surge or tally floor, you know, you have more than two patients. So you're running around most, mostly all day. Yeah. And let's just say in the middle of your contract, you might be looking for another contract. So that's another process that um, we haven't personally did yet because we're not traveling for another contract. We're going back to our like home bases. But for some, you might be kind of thinking about what's your next move. Where's your next contract, and just kind of planning and coordinating that. Yeah, your easiest choice would be to renew, renew, renew sorry, renew the same contract you have, just because you want you have everything filled out. But if you don't like your unit and you don't like your contract, or you just want to try something new once again, you're gonna have to you know reapply for everything. So you gotta do that way ahead of time. Yeah. Because the application process that you did before, you're gonna need to do all over again, depending if it's a different hospital system. You're for sure gonna have to do all the new checklist. Yeah. If it's the same system but different location. You know, you have a little bit more leeway there. But yeah, you can't just, you need a contract in place before your last, you know, probably two weeks of um, finishing off your yeah. old contract. Because then where are you going to go if you have nowhere to go? Like if you don't have a home base, um, 
then you're kind of s- stuck. Yeah, and there are some nurses that, let's just say, take a week off or two, go back home, hang out with their family, and you know, catch up on whatever they had to back home, and then they could do another contract. So it all depends. And you could go back to back. Personally, that'd be pretty cool. But we're only doing one for now, and maybe the adventure will, you know, happen again soon. Yeah, we have our own responsibilities at, uh, um, in Illinois, so I'm definitely wanting to travel nursing again, um, maybe in a few months. But we do that. I sell some some stuff um, in our home state. Anything else you want to mention about travel nursing? Yeah, Peter has um, he's most wanted in Illinois. Yeah, He'll come back and serve a sentence, huh? Yeah, I'm debating. Yeah, I'm asking to do my prison time. What did I got me for like eight months now? I'm trying to get that. Trying to get out in four. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. And I would also, on top of organizing everything, definitely planning outside of work, right? Mm-hmm. So you have four days off, three days off, out, you know, if you're not picking up shifts as much. Find things to do, find things to explore, try new food. I, I know here in Oakland, like, we're just kind of going hiking, you know, checking out San Fran, all the awesome places. And that's another thing that's cool in the experience is you're able to hop around a city, learn it for eight weeks, get used to it, and then just do something all over again. I think... There's like a, there's definitely a, like an, uh, not an addiction, there's definitely a cool high from that. And it kind of sucks you into travel nursing because you could do that. And then you're not obligated to stay in one place or, you know, you don't got to deal with the politics of the hospital and all yeah, that. You freelance, you don't, like, you don't like where you work, just stick it out for a few more weeks and then you go somewhere else. Yeah, but definitely you want to um, balance work and fun. Yeah. Because even though you're having a horrible time at work, you still might have a lot of fun outside of work. You know, you go find things to do. You could go out. You could see different different things, and you balance that out. You know, you could balance out. You know, suffering through work, and having fun outside of work. Yeah. And that's always good to have. And plus, you're doing something new, something you're completely not used to. You know, if you you're more of a land person, and you you're having a travel assignment by by the ocean. You know, go scuba diving, do some water sports, go surfing. You know, I wanted to try windsurfing, but we never got there. Yeah, it's pretty. Could sign up the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. A lot of things to do. There's always something to do, no matter. What town you're in, no matter how small the town is, no matter if you're in you're in Bufu, Idaho, if, if, I don't know how big Idaho is or how yeah. popular it is, but you're trying new things. Just just try it out, you know. Exactly. Do, do you for a little bit. Pretty jam packed podcast here, guys. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that, and don't forget to check out our Facebook group on go on um, Facebook groups, couple nurses, um, join the freaking um, the um, become a member, and we're gonna have a lot of cool things there. So don't forget to check that out. Yeah, there's only so much we could fit into this podcast. So if you guys have more questions, like Matt said, if we didn't touch up on anything um, that you guys wanted to hear, or you got some good details, good experiences to share, you know, check out our Facebook group, Couple Nurses. Um, and We're definitely going to start podcasting and interviewing people too, yeah. which is going to be pretty cool. So we're, we're going to try to find some maybe cool travel nurses that we could talk with and you know, share our experience. Right, and don't be, don't be afraid to share us. Uh, don't be afraid to share us because, you know, if you learn something, I'm sure someone else can learn something else and you guys can talk about it. Exactly, guys. So don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with your friends. Share this with your family. Share this with your mom. And your nurses. We're trying to grow. We're top 10 right now, nursing podcast on Spotify, I believe. So let's keep growing. Keep the good vibes going, guys. Yep, thanks, guys. Keep it smooth, Oakland. Have a good night.